We are speaking to Sarah Bannerman, who is the Head of Fundraising and Communications here at the Erskine Veterans Charity. Now, one of Sarah's jobs is to help raise £10 million every single year. Because as you'll hear, uh, a lot of money is needed to keep everything going smoothly here at Erskine and to provide the quality of care for which we're known. And that is the difference between the Erskine Veterans Charity, the, the quality and the surroundings and, and everything else that there is. It's, it's truly an amazing place, but that requires some serious fundraising. And Sarah is the person who's tasked with doing that and she joins us now. Hiya, Sarah. Tell us about this task that you have then, £10 million to raise every single year. I mean, that's that's quite a task to have on your plate there, isn't it? Tell us about it. It does give me some sleepless nights because, um, I mean, Erskine is Scotland's largest veterans charity. And I think the, the main thing is raising awareness of Erskine. I mean, Erskine is Scotland's largest veterans charity. And not everyone, I think, appreciates the size and scale and all the different types of care and support we provide. And the fact that we have a turnover of £24 million pounds approximately and of that we have to raise 10 million so without raising that 10 million we can't continue to provide that level of care and support um, and the, the level of service that we do so ensuring that we we shout loud and and far about what we're doing raising awareness of um, Erskine and, and what we do is really really important because people are, will only give to an organization a charity that they know and that they've heard of and that they know has a good reputation and uh, a charity that they can trust so we have lots of different ways of doing that I mean Erskine Veterans Radio is one of them which is fantastic um, but we also do a lot of marketing we do a lot of public um, relations, we put out a lot to the media to try and get some free publicity. So the first step is really just making sure that people are aware of us and what we do and that we have to raise this £10 million a year. But it's not just about raising the funds, it's about making sure that any veteran um, is aware of us and they know that they know that they're um, that we're here for them at any point in their post-service life, that they know that they can come to Erskine. So when I first joined Erskine uh, 11 years ago now, I think, um, I met one of our residents called Joe Parker. And uh, he had lost his wife. He um, had served in the RAF and um, he was losing his sight and his his, uh, health professional advised that he should be thinking about um, going into a care home. And he was adamant he didn't want to. He didn't like the thought of it at all. And it was only when she saw a photograph of him in his uniform on his mantelpiece that she said, so were you in the services? And he was like, yes. He, she said, so um, have you thought about going to Erskine? And he said, I've never heard of Erskine. So, you know, that that's the sort of thing we want to make sure that everyone who would ever need us in in the future in the, in the in the present knows that we're here because Joe did come and he he had a two week respite at Erskine and he absolutely loved it and afterwards he said um, my family now need to make an appointment to come to see me because I'm so busy doing stuff and out <laughs> and about and really enjoying his life so that that's that makes us uh, feel good when that sort of thing happens. 
the Erskine Veterans Charity does a lot of wonderful work and is a hugely respected charity within Scotland, a very big charity uh, and and well-respected charity within Scotland. But that said, you are competing with a number of other charities for donations in whatever form that may be, whether that's loose change or whether that's bigger donations, legacies and, and so on. How is it fighting your corner against the many other charities that are all looking for the same thing? Absolutely. It, it, it is difficult. Um, I think what you need to understand is people people support charities for very personal reasons. And um, we, we obviously support their decisions uh, as to which charities they would like to support. So what we, we try and do is um, we've done some research recently with our, our current supporters to ask them that exact question. You know, what does motivate them to support Erskine? And it's interesting to have a look at some of the, the results from that because the majority um, want to do something to support our ex-service community. So um, they list that they, they are either veterans themselves or they are currently serving, so they're very aware of Erskine and, and the, the support that we provide, or they know someone who has served, or they know someone who's supported, who is supported by Erskine. That there is a huge passion, particularly in the uh, the west of Scotland, where we're probably well known um, to support our, our ex-service community. But also in the north of Scotland, I think about 17% of the population are either currently serving or they're um, ex-service. So it, I think it's that personal connection that people have um, that motivates them to want to, um, to support Erskine in the work that we do. The last year, of course, this is a question I've asked everybody, and, and absolutely everybody, of course, is affected by it. But the the things that have happened over the last year, the pandemic, the change to people's lives, the, the restrictions that we've all had to face in different areas in, in many different ways, um, have all affected every way of life. And, and fundraising surely is, is, is no different. What's the effect been like over the last year on, on the fundraising efforts of Erskine? It, it has been difficult. I mean, um, the you know it's, it's been as you say it's been difficult for our residents. It's been incredibly hard for families and for staff that work at Erskine. Um, but you know, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our, our our team in the fundraising and communications department because, as you say, we are very much sort of behind the scenes, and um, they had to really adapt very quickly to working from home. Some of them had to adapt to quite different roles that they used to be doing. We've had to change the way we do things. For families particularly, where you've got um, mum and dad, both parents, uh, having to work from home and do homeschooling, it's meant that we had to really flex our hours of working. So we would have to, you know, some of our staff were working in the evenings and the working weekends just to make sure that they can pack everything in to the to the seven days of the, the, the week. So it, it has been hard and it's not that obvious because, you know, as I said, we work behind the scenes. But we've also had to really adjust to learning new skills, adjust to online working, to digital, new digital skills. And I think we're quite close-knit team, so... We miss each other, we miss being in the home. Um, but what we have found is the, uh, <clears throat> the response from our supporters has been amazing. So when, we send, when we've been sending out appeals to our supporters, um, 
I think some people haven't been going out as much. So some people have had some extra cash that they've been very generously donating to Askin. So, um, you know, we can only really thank them for supporting us and for continuing to be there for us, as you say, year after year. And it's also really affected the different facets of fundraising that you have. I mean, I'm thinking particularly of events, uh, walks or runs or things like that, that that people would do. But of course, your fundraisers need to get out and and meet people as well. So that will have been affected through the lockdown period as well. It it has been. I mean, our, our fundraising sort of splits into four different areas. So I know you met my colleague, um, Sarah Morgan, a few weeks ago. She looks after our, our legacy fundraising. Yes. Um, so that was hit quite hard. Um, Trusts and Foundations is another area, but we, we did get a lot of support. Um, so Trusts and Foundations, we apply for funding for specific projects. So we've had a lot of support from um, uh, the military benevolent um, uh, organisations like the um, Army Benevolent Fund, the RAF Benevolent Fund, and then the Royal Navy, Royal Marine Charity. So they've been you know, tremendous in supporting us. And um, individual support, so people who donate by direct debit every month, people responding to our appeals, people going online and supporting us has been fantastic. The area that's probably been hit the hardest during the pandemic has been our community fundraising, because we've got community fundraisers who can't get out in the community. So that's been really difficult. And um, events, of course, has been difficult. We've had to really pivot some of our events to online and um but people are still going out and doing stuff so we're still supporting them people are finding different ways to raise funds um uh, getting sponsored to do sponsored walks that they've been able to do and and that sort of thing so yeah that that's the area that probably we've noticed the the biggest difference during the pandemic and we have noticed some some great efforts with fundraising. I think particularly from some of the younger supporters as well that I've noticed over the past um, few weeks or so with with the kilt walk. I know there was a lot of people got involved in that. Now that things are opening back up again, and mm-hmm. and some of the uh, some of the other younger supporters who have used their time over the the school holidays and what have you to to get out there and do what they can. So whilst some of the mass events have not been happening, as you say, some of the in- individual initiatives have have really been uh, great to see, though. Absolutely. And uh, we're, you know, it, it's tremendous that we've, we've still got that support. So um, there's, there's been a lot more um, online. So people sort of going onto our Facebook page and catching up with different things that we're doing and supporting us in different ways. So it's, it's uh, yeah, we're very, very fortunate in that. Okay, Sarah, let's um, play a song then to round off our uh, our first chat because you'll be back with us on Thursday. But uh, I know that there's a, a special song that you'd like us to play and, and a story behind it. Yes, um, one of the uh, the, so the I, I, I've, I've requested two songs, so that's fine. <laughs> um, as a fundraiser, <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get. So um, this this one is um, I've requested anything really by Glenn Miller. And it's in memory of Isabel Kirkwood. She um, was an amazing lady. Her, her husband had served in the um, RAF. He was a Spitfire pilot. And he was cared for at Erskine. And after he died, um, she came to volunteer with the fundraising department. So I met her 11 years ago when um, 
she uh, she used to go out to she used to be a headmistress so she used to go out to schools and do presentations for us and uh, she liked to come with us when we went to events she'd sit with her dog and everybody knew her they would come and talk to her and chat and pet the dog and put money in her collecting um, bucket and she raised thousands thousands for Askin so um, in her later years, she used to come into the office because she just liked to sit with us and she would um, fold all the thank you letters for us. But she wouldn't just fold them, she would read them to make sure we hadn't made any grammatical errors or any spelling mistakes, because if we did, she'd bring them back to us and we'd get a telling off. Um, so in the last few years, she's, she then came into us and to be cared for. And unfortunately, she died last week. So um, this would be in memory of Isabel. What can someone, or indeed I, or anyone listening to this do to help support Erskine? What are some of the many ways that people can um, help contribute towards that 10 million goal that you've got set? I I think one of the best ways to support Erskine is um, by setting up a, a monthly direct debit. Because as you say, it's we, we have to raise um, 10 million pounds year on year. So knowing that um, we can count on that um, funding coming in means that we can plan for future years. So it's the most easiest way um, to support us. It would mean that um, you would get the, uh, our newsletter that we send out to our supporters uh, twice a year and then um, we send out a, a remembrance appeal um, uh, with our Star of Honour, uh, gives you a, a, a purple star to hang on your Christmas tree with a message from my veterans. So it's a great way to stay in contact with what we're doing and to support us um, in that it's, it's you know long-term sustainable income really, which is, is what we're looking for. So that that's probably the best way. Um, another good way of supporting us is by listening to us Veterans Radio and tell all your friends because what you're doing for us is you're communicating to um, your listeners you know what's happening at Erskine then they can sort of hook into anything that uh, that they'd like to to support or any of our events that they'd like to come along to and they're aware of what's going on so there is so much going on at Erskine all the time um, and this is a really good way for people to support us. So by telling others to listen to us, Conventions Radio. <laughs> well, we're all for that here, obviously. But um, I mean, it's great that the radio station has already been able to play such a part in explaining some of the events and some of the fundraising initiatives that are going on. And even in this show today, we've we've mentioned some things that are happening for fundraising already. And and not only do we alert people to what is coming up, but we're able to explain too about what has been happening and and, and celebrate those fundraising achievements. Absolutely, I, th- I think it's a it's a tremendous resource. Um, as you say, it's it's brilliant and it, it's connecting. Uh, families with uh, residents at Erskine and staff and all of our supporters including our corporate supporters who um, you know can can uh, hopefully come on the radio in in future months and talk about how they like to support Erskine because um, that that's an area I think that um, you know we would really like to grow a, a bit more because it helps get that message out as well. In terms of the uh, the name of Erskine and, and the passion and the support that the charity has, both locally and, and nationally as well, why do you think there is such a strong passion, particularly around the Erskine charity? I, I think because um, 
a lot of people have been have been touched by Erskine in that they um, they may have known someone or they've had a family a relative who's um, served and they are very alert to what we do um, I mean that the best way is is the words of our supporters ourselves and um, the research that we carried out recently uh, I, I've just got a few here to read out to you because I think they're they're very uh, they're very emotive. Yeah, and sure. there's someone here who says, thank, thank you for all you do for veterans. My granddad was with you and he loved it there. It, it, this is obviously from someone who has served themselves and they're saying it's an honour to support the veterans that served before us. May you always have the resources to carry on the great work that you do. Another person said, I appreciate everything the charity does. The work and the help they give is tremendous. Long may it continue. So... I think that that that's the the passion that people have for Erskine and why they continue to support us, and I, th I think it's because of the the um, reputation that Erskine has, and um, I think that there are some that there are some interesting stories. I was I was phoned up once by a gentleman who said he was very disappointed that we didn't serve, um, we didn't support RAF veterans. And I was a bit perplexed by that because we are a try, what we call tri-service. So um, it then occurred to me that Erskine was set up in 1916 as um, the Princess Louise Hospital for Limbless Sailors and Soldiers. So people have very long memories and I was wondering if that's how he still knew us. Um, because of course we were established before the sort of formal RAF was established so it didn't exist when we when we started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well you weren't to know were you to, to predict in, to in future <laughs> <laughs> and what have been some of the more unusual fundraising efforts that in in your time with Erskine that you can recall one of my favorites is um it was a, a local minister who had a um a spitfire car and uh, he decided to uh, drive around um, the coastline of the United Kingdom and uh, stop off at various points and raise funds for Erskine. And uh, what we did is we arranged for him to, in, in Scotland, we arranged for him to stop off at all the, uh, our care homes so that he could meet some of our veterans. And then we were posting um, messages of support from our veterans who were holding up uh, thank you notes and things, wishing them all the best. So there's uh, there's lots of very very unique and interesting ways that people find to to go and raise funds for Erskine. It's um, in our job one day is is never the same as another, which keeps it very varied and really interesting. Mm -hmm. And obviously we've talked about what the last year has brought, which wasn't very many great things, but now hopefully things a lot more positive as we look towards the future. What are some of the forthcoming fundraising activities that, that you're looking forward to now as we as we head throughout the rest of this year and, and into next? I think the, um, we've been putting quite a lot of work in behind the scenes for the Erskine Armed Forces Day Big Picnic. It's a fairly new initiative and um, we thought it was very apt um, uh, at this time because of the pandemic and we weren't quite sure what the restrictions were going to be. So we've been asking people to hold a big picnic in their garden or in their local park and raise funds for Erskine. So they can go online or they can phone us up and we'll send them out our um, big picnic pack. 
that has some biscuits in it and some napkins and some uh, Askin flags and Armed Forces Day flags. And uh, we also have an online um, uh, event for the big picnic, which is being hosted by Elaine C. Smith. So that's Saturday, uh, the 26th of June. So I'm imagining going to my local park and seeing groups of people having their picnic with their with their armed forces flags um, uh, posted in the grass and they're listening to uh, and watching the show. And uh, that that's going to be great fun. And I'm really excited about that. And it's had a lot of support. We've had we've had quite a lot of requests for the packs. So I'm really excited about that. So I think the, the thing I'm most looking forward to is meeting our supporters again. We've got a couple of other events coming up and um, then we've got our military ball on the 1st of October. So fingers crossed that can all still go ahead and it's, it's always a fantastic night and just brilliant. It just goes by in a flash because you're just talking to so many people and I can imagine this year it's going to be even even uh, even busier because we haven't seen each other for so for such a long time. Well, it's been great speaking with you, Sarah. Thanks for joining us on Erskine Veterans Radio. And um, one final song, then. What can we play you as a fundraiser? What what would be the the perfect song? As a fundraiser, I've picked Pennies from Heaven, <laughs> and uh, I love Louis Armstrong, so uh, that's my special request. Brilliant. Well, here it is, and thanks very much, and and, and good luck with uh, with everything for the the rest of the year, and hopefully those uh, those events are, are all going to be um, all what you hope, and and much more too. Brilliant. Thanks very much.